This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Sybin, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And we've got a bunch of stuff to cover this morning, including getting my channel more social. I'll talk about that in more detail in a second. LG customer service messed up this weekend, and I wanted to talk about what good customer service means, to me at least. No Man's Sky got a big update, and I'm really enjoying the game again quite a bit. Spectrum Internet got kicked out of New York, and that's a pretty big deal, actually. The regulators actually tossed them for not meeting customer expectations. Hyper-threading versus real cores. There's some rumors about how Intel is changing up their processors. We'll talk about that during the Q&A section. I'm also going to talk about how to cover smart speakers on the channel because you often have to use trigger words when talking to your smart speaker. So we'll talk more about what you'd like to see out of these in the future. And we're going to look at using an iPad as a portable monitor. So lots to talk about. Let's get to it. And I want to begin first by thanking our newest supporter here on the channel, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast made a gold level contribution. So I want to thank them for that. I also want to thank everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on an ongoing basis too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for Audible, which is my favorite audiobook company. I have a subscription that I pay for every month, and I really like listening to books while I'm driving and doing chores around the house and everything else, because the older I get, Uh, the less I can read because I fall asleep when I get to like two or three pages in. Uh, So now when I'm doing other stuff, I can put a book on and listen to it. So I really like a lot of nonfiction books. I'm listening to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's newest book on it right now. And I've also uh, liked a few of the Star Wars books they've put on there, actually, because they actually do some production around it. It's more like a radio play than it is just having somebody read to you. Uh, So it's good stuff. But I also had a very good customer service experience with them this week, and this is going to contrast sharply to what I just experienced with LG, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, And what happened was I got a weird email saying that my account was canceled and they were crediting me back all this money. And I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. And I was concerned that perhaps my Amazon account got compromised because Audible is owned by Amazon and you log in uh, with your Amazon login to Audible. And when I called up customer service, they said, oh no, we were having some system issues today and uh, don't worry about it. But she had me you know, on the phone for probably about 20 or 30 minutes or so. And she goes, you know, in exchange for all the time you've given us, we want to uh, make this right for you. So they gave me two additional credits and I pay $14.99 a month for my subscription. So that's a $30 value in credits that they gave me. And she said, hey, I noticed you've been a subscriber for a while. Uh, we're going to give you uh, three months at essentially $10 off. So I'm paying only $4 a month now uh, for the next three months on top of the two credits they gave me. I didn't ask for any of this. They just said, you know, we're sorry we took so much of your time. Here's a thank you for that. And I really appreciated that and didn't ask for it, didn't expect it. But that is good customer service, making sure that you value your customer's time. And that's going to be a sharp contrast to another story we'll have in a few minutes that I went through this week. Uh, But I did want to give you a weekend review here. And we had two things up on the Extras channel, including a mini review of a power over Ethernet injector. If you ever wondered what one does, now you can find out. 
And we also unboxed a Lenovo Smart Display that I reviewed on the main channel this week that generated a lot of discussion. And then on the main channel, we had a big news update from our uh, sponsor, Silicon Dust, the makers of the HD Home Run. They added DRM support to the Android platform. So if you are on a cable system that copy protects every channel, you can now watch those channels on your Android devices. And a lot of people were excited about that. I also covered a little issue that I had with my cable card in that video. The card had lost validation. Even though my other channels were working, my DRM channels didn't. So I had to call Comcast and a lot of other viewers had the same issue. So if you are having trouble, uh, check out that video and you'll see some of the steps I had to take to fix it. Not a big thing, but you got to call customer service, unfortunately. And they don't give you any credit when you call them, unfortunately, either. But they got it resolved for me, so that was good. And we had that review of the Lenovo Smart Display and a portable monitor that was very nice, but also way too much money for what it was. And you can check out all of those videos linked in the master playlist down below. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 74 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And one of the things that I have uh, been constantly searching for are additional uh, distribution avenues for the weekly wrap-up show. And the reason is that uh, this show is very short-lived compared to all the other videos that I do here on the channel. So typically a product review uh, will be relevant and viewed uh, for a year or more, sometimes five years in some cases here. Uh, but these wrap-up videos tend to be dead after about two or three days because they are timely, they're long, uh, they're hard to search through. So uh, this is something that I've been trying to find something to really balance the fact that I love doing the show, you love watching the show, but finding more value that we can extract from the effort that goes into making it. I spend you know, a good portion of the afternoons and mornings on Sundays kind of putting all the stories together that we're going to do. I shoot it for most of the morning on Monday, and then uh, the staff here is editing and uploading uh, in the afternoon. So really a full day of work, essentially, for uh, every weekly wrap-up show. And this is something that uh, is it's not going to go away. I really, again, like doing this, and I know a lot of you like watching it, but I, again, want to find some ways to get it out to more places. So we've been doing things like the Snippets channel, where I take portions of this show and re-upload it to another channel on YouTube to maybe pick up some search traffic that has not been going as well as I would like. We have you know, a good number of subscribers, but it hasn't been monetized yet. Uh, we're not getting the kind of watch time and search traffic that I was hoping. So the other thing that I did uh, is took the show and put it in audio form that we upload to the podcast feed. And I get about two or 300 downloads a week on that, which is great. It's actually growing there, which is awesome. Because I know a lot of you uh, would prefer to listen to one of these long-form things with audio, and that's great. So I provide that option. Uh, but another thing we started doing is uploading the snippets, the portions of the show that we're pulling out, to other platforms. So I've been uploading to Facebook this week, so a lot of you probably saw that. Actually, James here, who's been helping us over the summer, did that. Uh, and we've also been posting a little bit to my LinkedIn profile because I have a lot of people in the industry that follow me there, and I think there's some videos that are really relevant to uh, get out to folks. Now, here's the thing with video. Uh, when you upload video to a platform, uh, the platform wants to have that file themselves. They don't want a link. Uh, from LinkedIn, for example, to YouTube. They'll put them up, but I don't get the kind of eyeballs on it due to their algorithm scoring uh, that I would if that video actually natively lived on LinkedIn. And one of the challenges I have here with my internet connection is the fastest upload speed I can get is 10 megabits per second. So you can imagine this really takes a long time to get uh, that single video uploaded to three or four different places and then multiply it by you know five or six 
uh, snippets that we're doing every week, and you can really see how the time starts to become an issue here. So I went out in search of platforms that might help us do an, a single upload and then have it distributed natively to different platforms. And I tried uh, Hootsuite, I tried Buffer, I tried all these other things out there. Uh, the one that seemed initially to work the best was Sendable, but it was a disaster also, uh, because when we first started using it, uh, it was able to get the YouTube and Facebook scheduling done properly. So it did accomplish the goal of getting the video uploaded to one place and then having it schedule out uh, to two other places. So that was good to, to start with, but uh, LinkedIn was not so clear on here. So what happened with LinkedIn was it uploaded the video, but it put it on an Amazon S3 server and then Sendable generated a thumbnail and then expected people to click on the video from LinkedIn, which of course is not what I was after here. And in fairness, this is an API restriction that uh, LinkedIn only allows you to upload larger videos directly to their site as opposed to going through one of these third-party things. Uh, Twitter has similar limitations as well. Uh, Instagram doesn't let you upload anything, even a photo through one of these platforms anymore. So it really is so disjointed that you really don't get from any of these services, at least for video creators, a true uh, one-click upload to all of these different services. So what we're going to be doing is uh, having James, who's been helping us out here over the summer, uh, continue helping out throughout the year. So instead of getting a lousy job on campus, he's going to be uh, helping us out remotely with these videos. He's going to get them scheduled, get all the uh, metadata entered in there and everything, and he's going to be taking care of that uh, for us. So we'll be scheduling this stuff. He'll be uploading to multiple places. Hopefully his campus bandwidth is a little better. We're going to give him an Ethernet dongle before he heads out for, for the summer, uh, and we'll do better with that than we would paying for one of these services that really doesn't work. Uh, that I'm going to you know, kind of line up uh, IFTTT to monitor RSS feeds and go to Twitter and everything. So we'll get it all figured out. But I would love to hear if you know of a service that allows one of these one-click uh, aggregations to multiple social media services, because that would certainly increase the efficiency here. and We'd spend more time uh, getting more content up versus uploading it to multiple places over and over again. Uh, another little gripe I had this week was with my LG uh, Blu-ray burner. So I uh, talked about this a few months ago. I bought a a Blu-ray burner from LG that can uh, write up to 100 gigabytes per disc, which is really helpful for archiving some of the footage that we take here. Uh, what I've been doing is any kind of sponsored video that I do, I like to, to just back up all the raw footage in its initial form, uh, which can be quite a bit. So this has been helpful having this. But about two months into owning this drive, uh, the Blu-ray disc stopped mounting drives when I put uh, discs when I put them in the in the drive. So if I put a disc in, it wouldn't spin it up. It wouldn't do anything. It just kind of sat there. So I reached out to LG support. They said, oh, we'll get you a replacement. Nothing happened. I reached out again. Uh, nothing happened. And then I reached out a third time. They have a support ticket thing that you fill out. And they finally got the label sent to me to send back the drive. So that's good. So I send the drive out. Uh, a couple days ago, I get a box in the mail, and I figured, oh, this must be my replacement. Guess what they sent me? This thing. This is a DVD burner, not a Blu-ray burner. This is not the drive I sent them. So that was annoying. So I decided to go on Twitter, where maybe I will get a better response than this horrible email ticketing system that they have. And I tried to, typed out my tweet here, telling them how aggravated I was. And the response they sent back to me was to go and call their customer service specialist at a phone number. And I'll tell you what. Nothing drives me crazier than a customer service department that passes the buck back to the customer. Here they screwed up a number of times. I just want to get this resolved. I'm reaching out to a support Twitter that is supposed to be there to serve customers, and they tell you to pick up the phone and call somebody. It's just not right, and this is the kind of stuff that really drives me crazy here, especially when companies don't 
realize the value of the customer's time. Audible, as we saw at the beginning of the video, did. LG did not. Uh, the good news is, is that I did just go back to their email thing and fill out another ticket. Uh, they sent me back an email today saying that I should expect a label in the next couple of days. The clock is ticking. I haven't seen my label yet, uh, but hopefully it will appear, and then hopefully we'll get this resolved. But I just wanted to just give you a good contrast here between bad customer service like this and better customer service like we saw with Audible. And I've been playing a lot of No Man's Sky over the weekend. This was a shot I took as I was uh, hunting around a planet for some resources I needed to continue building my base up. And I have been playing this game off and on for the last two years. I think it was a great game when it first came out, and that's not an opinion that many people shared. But for me, it kind of reminded me of some of these games I used to play on my old Apple II, where you kind of just flew around and picked up resources and built up your little empire with no real purpose in the game other than to uh, gain and acquire those resources. And that was one of the main knocks against No Man's Sky when it first came out, because the lead developer... Uh, I think in many ways kind of misled the gaming public as to what this game was going to be when it was released. His earlier statements about the fact that it is kind of a laid-back experience was really more accurate versus what he was saying on other media outlets where he hinted at multiplayer, where he hinted that you might be able to encounter other people if you happen to be in the same place at the same time. Uh, None of that came to fruition, but now it sort of is. Uh, They added multiplayer to the mix. They've added a lot to the base building apparatus. So you can put a base anywhere now uh, and you can start uh, putting teleportation tunnels in between those different bases. Uh, There's a lot more for the player to do initially. They have some missions that you go on to get your base built out. Um, So there's been a lot that they've been adding to this game over the last two and a half, three years to finally get it to the point where it's fairly close to what was promised initially. I think they really should have just, you know, marketed this thing as an early access game. And I think a lot of the controversy that surrounded it initially uh, would not have been there. Uh, But now they are finally getting it to that point because it really is kind of an early access game. And we're finally seeing now this game coming to fruition Uh, two years later. And again, I really enjoyed it even before they added in all this stuff, but I think what they've done here is really uh, hone things better. It's still a bit frustrating because you still have to go out and find resources and mine stuff and, uh, you know, uh, craft things. And one of the big issues that I'm dealing with is that every time I land on a planet, I got to just refuel my ship and there's a whole process involved with that. So there's some grinding to it that uh, I would like to see maybe ironed out a little bit. But by and large, I'm really enjoying the experience. And what I've been doing is Uh, streaming the game from my gaming PC down here in the basement up to my uh, living room where the OLED TV is, and the NVIDIA Shield is the device I'm streaming with, and it looks great. I'm not seeing any compression artifacts. I'm doing it all over Ethernet, so it's a very high bit rate uh, coming back from the computer. There's probably some lag there, but I'm not really detecting it with this game, uh, and it just looks fantastic. And one of the things that I uh, noticed as I was playing around with some other games on there is that Uh, It will do 4K streaming upstairs, so Fortnite was streaming in 4K. Uh, Some games support HDR uh, on the TV through that game streaming apparatus, so they've really done a lot on the NVIDIA game stream side as well. So I'm probably going to do a video actually on the NVIDIA game stream so uh, you can see exactly what I'm doing and what the quality is and maybe a few things that I'm doing with retro games that you might find kind of fun too with the Shield up there on the OLED TV. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye, and this is a huge story out of New York. Uh, Spectrum, their internet and cable TV service, is getting kicked out of New York, at least right now, uh, because they have not been meeting the expectations of their customers or their regulators. Now, what happened is is that uh, two of these big cable companies merged, Spectrum and Charter, 
And the New York regulators said you can merge, but you need to meet certain requirements. We need certain bandwidth for most of the state. And we also want you to build out areas that are underserved. And they agreed to do that. But now we're a couple of years into this merger and nothing has happened. Customers are not happy with the service they're getting. Uh, and now the regulators are pulling the franchise agreement, which makes them uh, no longer able to do business in the state. They have about 90 days to comply with this, although I'm sure there will be some uh, legal action to delay that. And who knows what's going to happen, but they uh, have to transition now to another carrier. I don't know which carrier will come in. There's not too many to choose from anymore. So maybe we'll see Comcast jump into that one. Who knows? But uh, this is a big deal because I don't think I can remember a time when regulators have pulled a franchise on uh, a monopoly that they are in charge of regulating. And it's good to see uh, regulators actually listen to customers versus these companies they, they regulate. It's not often this occurs. Now, a number of years ago, I served on a local cable television advisory council here where I live, and we were a part of the franchise renewal process for Comcast that year. And it was a great experience because Comcast really had to make good on their promises because if they didn't, uh, we could influence the regulators who ultimately would make the decision as to whether or not to renew the franchise. And we got them to uh, put more money into the local cable television uh, access channel, for example. They uh, did a lot to fix a lot of customer issues that were popping up. They improved some of the infrastructure in parts of the uh, franchise that were not so great. Uh, and it was a very good thing for the consumers. And I think good for Comcast because it forced them really to engage with the community uh, beyond just a PR event. They really had to go out there and resolve issues and uh, make things right for customers. And it was a, quite, a, quite a process. It was really something that uh, held them accountable and they had to prove that they were doing what they said they were doing. Uh, but what happened though about 10 years ago is that the local telephone company uh, started introducing television service through a DSL thing that they were doing. And in uh, doing that, uh, Comcast was able to convince the legislature to get rid of this franchise thing altogether by uh, proving to the legislature, they said, hey, we got competition now, so we shouldn't have to be under this monopolistic franchise agreement anymore. And the legislature agreed. The problem, though, is that this television service never got built out. So it's still out there but it's not in many parts of the franchise in which I live, including where I am. So I don't have any choice of cable television provider here, uh, yet the franchise agreement that governed the monopoly that I am living with here uh, went away. So all of those consumer protections that were in place, all the things that Comcast had to do to make good to their customers, that they were uh, supporting the community, all of that for the most part uh, went away. They don't have to get renewed anymore. Uh, and meanwhile, the telephone company has been acquired two different times, first by AT&T, which was when they stopped building out the cable TV network, and then they got acquired by Frontier, which is a company that's been buying up all these derelict phone companies all over the country, and they ran out of money, so they have stopped doing anything. In fact, Frontier is in danger of bankruptcy, from what I've been reading, uh, which means that we've had no competitor, uh, no infrastructure build out of these competing services in the area, and now no franchise agreements to hold the monopolies accountable. So this is really just as bad as it gets, and I'm glad New York is taking the steps that they're taking here. And uh, if it's something that you care about, I would check and see what kind of franchise laws you have in your state. And if there's any effort to get rid of them, try to stop it. Let your legislators know this is bad for consumers, because a lot of times, especially in the case of this 
uh, franchise removal thing, it kind of happened under the radar. The press didn't really pick up on it, uh, and people really just were not seeing it happen. And before you knew it, it passed and was signed by the governor. So uh, be on the lookout, folks, because they are always trying to get out of being held accountable. And moving on to some computer stuff now, it looks like Intel might be dropping hyper-threading from their i7 chips and leaving it only in the higher-end i9 chips. And Britt Dodd here on the Facebook group had initially pointed this out to me. And uh, this looks like it could be a shift in how Intel is putting these processors together because it looks like the i7 chips that might come out in this generation that they're talking about here uh, will be moved from quad-core to octo-cores, eight cores versus four. And eight real cores are always going to be faster than a quad-core chip with hyper-threading. So that might... Uh, still make them faster, but not as fast as the i9 could be when you add the hyper-threading on top of the eight cores, perhaps, that they're uh, putting in. Also in the article, it looks like the i5 chips in this line uh, will move from uh, four cores to six. Uh, so that would be an improvement as well. So you would lose a little bit in the sense that it could be faster, but it still will be faster uh, because it will have more real cores versus the hyper-threading cores. So we'll have to see where this comes uh, to play. I think hyper-threading made a bigger deal uh, earlier on when chips were more expensive. We didn't have as many active cores, but it looks like Intel has really found a way to get these cores increased significantly uh, to really bring about better performance to the point where uh, hyper-threading may not be as important as it used to be. But I'd love to get your thoughts on this down in the comments below. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And a couple of folks had their devices triggered over something I said in a review, which is the trigger word uh, for that Lenovo Smart Display, which is a Google Home device. It uses the same trigger words that many Android phones use, along with many other Google devices. And as a result, some people watching would have their devices go off Uh, in the course of my review. Now, of course, I give a warning out when I do this so that people understand that I'm going to be using the trigger word. You might want to mute your device in the process, but for some folks, it may not be that easy to do, or maybe they've got devices in other parts of the room and it's kind of an inconvenience for them, and I understand that. But part of what I do on my product reviews is really a hands-on. We don't dress up the stuff here. We don't make it look nicer. We show how it works, and part of showing how it works is to issue the command and see how long it takes for that command to come back. Because I think if I edited out that statement, you wouldn't have a sense as to uh, how quickly it responds to commands. And I think it just flows better uh, just to have it just go from the minute the command is issued to when it comes back. I don't want to uh, give the viewer a sense that something is faster or shorter or not. Um, I guess I could go in at some point and edit out the main part of the trigger word and just cut the audio at that point, but I don't know if that is so good either from an aesthetic standpoint. So I just wanted to get your feedback on this uh, down in the comments below. When I can, I change the trigger word if the device allows that. Uh, So Motorola phones, for example, allow you to use a different trigger word. So I always use the Star Trek one, hey, computer, uh, which always works well in those, but uh, not every device has that flexibility. So let me know what you think down in the comments below. I also wanted to respond to this comment from Fred Hunt, who was upset that I didn't check out the video conferencing feature on the device. Uh, It was two reasons. One, I didn't have anybody to call. They have to have this special Google app. It's not the Hangout app. It's their other one that they've got. Uh, So I didn't have anybody to call initially on it, but it's also now gotten to the point where these kinds of features are so universal now. I think people have a really good understanding as to how they work. It's not unique to the device, uh, and I wanted to focus on things that made this device different than the Google Home, which was part of the reason why I didn't include uh, video conferencing in that. But I just wanted to get your feel or sense as to what 
uh, I should have done with that feature as well because that video was running long as it was and I thought it was just a very basic feature that consumers have a very good understanding now of. And that's been interesting about these smart speakers and technology in general is that when I first reviewed the Amazon Echo, we had to spend some time talking about what it is and what it does, but now consumers are so aware of this stuff that you don't need to necessarily go through that entire education process anymore because these products now are very well understood by consumers. And it's amazing just how fast uh, this is moving, where consumers are really getting a feel for how these devices work in such a way that you don't have to go through that education process anymore. And I think video conferencing is one of those things that uh, may not be as important to demonstrate. But let me know what you think down in the comments below. Now this next set of comments from that portable monitor review reminded me of an app that I used to use when I had my day job, which is called Duet Display. And what it does is it turns any iPad into an external touchpad monitor, which is really cool. So I've got it running uh, on my Mac here. There is an application you have to install on a Mac or Windows PC. And then what you do is load the app up on your iPad and it works with just about every iPad out there. In fact, I, I was using this a number of years ago. So even some of the cheaper iPads this will work with. You take out your lightning cable, plug it into the USB port on the computer. And all you have to do here is attach the cable and Duet will kick in here at this point. You can see it launching now. And now we've got an extended display here on the iPad and it has touch capabilities here too. So I can actually use my Mac as a touch device, which is something that isn't normally supported. If I had a newer version of Mac OS X installed on this laptop, I could even uh, get the touch bar to display down at the bottom of the screen, even though this is not a touch bar Mac. So it actually adds some functionality. Uh, they've got a pro version that apparently allows you to use this as a uh, tablet you know, for drawing. So you can pull up Photoshop running on your computer on the iPad and then use the Apple Pencil for uh, making specific uh, things happen on screen, which is really cool. Uh, unfortunately, I think they charge a subscription for that Apple Pencil feature, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Uh, the app is $20, uh, so it's not expensive for an app that really has this kind of functionality. It will drive the iPad at 60 frames per second. You can adjust the frame rate for better battery life. It is, of course, a software renderer here, so it's using the Mac's uh, CPU, in this case, to generate the video you see on here. But if you have a Mac with a discrete GPU, it will use that instead. That, of course, comes at the expense of battery life. So you have a lot of control as to how you adjust this. You can even uh, go on the Mac here and adjust the uh, resolution that it's at. So it will do pixel doubling for the retina look on things, or I could add more screen real estate here by uh, making the resolution a little bit higher. So it's got a lot of flexibility to it. And again, it's pretty cool to have a touch screen uh, that you can plug in with a device you likely already have. So it's called Duet Display, about 20 bucks. There might be some other ones out there as well. Let me know what you use down in the comments. And our channel of the week this week is the Digital Foundry. They do a lot of deep analysis of games and compare the performance on different types of systems. Uh, they did a great video this week, for example, on No Man's Sky and looking at how it runs on the Xbox One versus the Xbox One X. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thing to see how your game might uh, do better or worse depending on the console or PC that you're using. They do a lot of frame rate analysis, so they often uncover a lot of the things that game developers are trying to hide from consumers. So good channel. I'm sure many of you already watch it, but if you haven't, 
uh, check it out because it's really kind of a neat way to understand how these games work and how hardware choices in, impact your ability to enjoy those games. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things that I've already shot. Uh, the first is we'll have our monthly sponsored video from Plex, and we'll be talking about their new grid-based channel guide for their DVR. It's rolling out to more platforms. So you'll see how it works in this video. We're also going to touch briefly on some changes they made, good ones, to the VR experience on Plex. So that's coming up. I also shot the review, and it's going up on Wednesday, I think, of the Acer Spin 1. Uh, this is something Acer let us borrow for a couple days to check out. It's kind of a nice little two-in-one that's not all that expensive and comes with a stylus. So we'll look at all of that in that review. And then I'm also hoping to do a little bit of production stuff. I talked about this last week. Uh, the PTZ optics camera that made an appearance in that power over Ethernet injector uh, review on the Extras channel will be reviewed in full. And then while we're at it, because this camera works over the NDI standard, we're going to talk about NDI in a little bit more depth. It's a technology that allows you to transmit video for streaming or broadcast through your local computer network versus having to run cables everywhere. Uh, it has been a, uh, a bit of a life changer here in this office because I no longer have to drag equipment all over the place if I want to shoot in a different room. Uh, now I can just bring stuff to the room where I want it to be in, plug in some ethernet and we're done. It actually in some cases may eliminate the need to have a capture card uh, for your gameplay and stuff as well. So good stuff and we'll uh, talk about NDI because uh, I haven't done a production video in a while and I've got two great things to talk about there. So we're going to be doing that. I also, if I have time, might be getting in uh, the shuttle PC I talked about last week, which had the same guts as that Chromebox we looked at. So we're going to see, uh, you know, without the restrictions the Chromebox has, what you can do with the processor from the standpoint of a home theater device. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, that one might get pushed to next week, but we'll see how I do. If you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lan.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution to the channel. We still support Patreon as well. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. We get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else. We also have many channels that you can check me out on. Uh, the Extras channel has supplementary content and mini-reviews. The podcast has audio versions of this show and interviews that I do throughout the year. Uh, we also have the Snippets channel, which I talked about earlier, and my live stream archive, which you can find up on screen right there. If you like what I do, you can click the bell and get notified every time something happens here on the channel. And I would do this on all the channels that I have that you're subscribed to, just so you can keep up to date as to what I am uploading. And of course, you can sign up for my email list at lan.tv email. We have the Facebook page, which will get more content now at lan.tv Facebook. The Facebook group is still very active at lan.tv Facebook group. And of course, we've got the store at lan.tv store, where I sell things that I have previously reviewed on the channel and I'm now getting rid of. You can sign up for an alert on the uh, link you see on screen here. And I thought I would also show you what is currently for sale in the store because we got to get some of the stuff out of here. Uh, so we still have that, that Melee PC on a stick. That's a good price for that. We have the Hades Canyon NUC, which is a nice little uh, game console PC. It's that Intel AMD hybrid device that we reviewed a few weeks ago. Uh, the Asus Nova Go is still for sale. And I've got a copy of Mario Tennis Aces that I'm done with. So doing a little tag sailing here as well on the store. Uh, if you don't like the price, email me and make an offer. Maybe we can make a deal. So let me know on the email, which is lanatlan.tv, if you would like to make an offer on any of this stuff. I really want to get some of these more expensive items out of here so I can get other similarly priced devices in. And that is going to do it for this week.
week on the weekly wrap-up. Thank you always, as always, for uh, your comments and suggestions and criticisms and everything else throughout the week. You can leave those down in the comments section on any video. I do read every comment, even if I can't reply to every one. I do check them all out on a very regular basis. So keep that stuff coming. Greatly appreciate everybody's uh, support of the channel. And we got more content coming up this week. So until next time, this is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Bill Reiner, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.